Hello, and welcome to Scare You to Sleep. Have you ever felt like you needed something a little darker than whale noises or counting sheep to unwind at the end of the day? Maybe you've realized horror itself can be a strange but relaxing escape from reality. Every week, I bring to you a myriad of bone-chilling tales, from 19th century dusty tomes to modern up-and-coming authors to truer spooky tales like Reddit mysteries and time slips, all accompanied by a gentle voice and ambient music and sounds so that you feel immersed and lost in your own personal horror story. You can find Scare You to Sleep exclusively on Spotify. So, grab some earbuds, a cozy corner, and join me, Shelby Scott, every Thursday, and let's get unsettled together. Now, go get some sleep. Sweet dreams. Hello, believers, non-believers, and everyone in between. You're listening to Stories with Sapphire. I am Sapphire Sandalo. Now get cozy and open your mind because it's story time. This should come as no surprise to any of you, but I am obsessed with asking people if they have any personal paranormal experiences. Friends and family, waiters and bartenders, but especially rideshare drivers. I am not good at small talk, but I can talk about ghosts with anyone, anywhere, anytime. In the summer of 2016, I was being driven home by a man named Vlad. He was friendly and Filipino, so I felt comfortable asking him, has anything paranormal ever happened to you? And he said, I don't really believe in that sort of thing. But there was this one time that I still cannot explain. He was at a family member's house and passed a long staircase It bent at a 90-degree angle in the middle where there was a hard wood landing. As he passed, he saw his young nephew, who was maybe three or four, running at full speed on the second floor. He saw that he was about to reach the staircase and was not slowing down. So Vlad quickly ran over to the steps, but he was too late. He watched as his nephew flew down the staircase. But just as his head was about to hit the landing, his body stopped. He hovered inches above the landing. Gently, his nephew was propped back onto his feet, and he continued running. Vlad said it looked as if something he couldn't see had caught his nephew just in time. Whatever this invisible protector was, his nephew owes it his life. I think about this story a lot because there are so many times when people are miraculously saved and many when people are not. And I wonder, what is deciding this? In today's episode, 
I'll be sharing stories that explore the concept of protection, how we can better protect ourselves, and how we can be better protectors. Chapter 1. The Name of Flawless by Jason Hey Sapphire, I just watched some of your videos about dreams and I actually have a story of my own. I've known that I was sensitive since the age of nine. One time, I woke up in the middle of the night and saw what I can only describe as two cloudy figures, a man and a woman, dancing in a circle above me. But one of my most intense experiences was when I was about 14, before I transitioned. I had my very first predictive dream. I wasn't the only one with this gift in my family. My grandmother and father also had these dreams. The dreams were normally very symbolic, like my father would dream about snakes lurking around the house and biting him, which, according to my grandmother, meant that someone was going to betray him. My own dream was about my paternal grandmother. It happened in the middle of the week, just after she had mentioned that she would be taking my uncle, Ruan, and his girlfriend to the school dance on Saturday. I went to sleep that night and had a dream that felt so real and was so disturbing that I ran to my father afterwards. So the dream begins on the Saturday night of the dance, and we were all having a party in my grandmother's house. Me, my dad, my stepmother, and my younger brother were in the living room watching TV. My father's uncle Jan, his wife, and his three daughters with all their kids were there too. The kids, as what was normal behavior of them, were playing in my grandmother's room. They were jumping on the beds and running around, behavior that irritated my father. My father looked at me and told me to go tell the kids to play more calmly. I went to go tell them to calm down and stop jumping around on grandma's bed. And just as I was doing that, the phone rang. I answered the phone with a simple, hello? And an unknown but calm voice spoke without a greeting. Your grandmother is now part of the group by the name of Flawless. I didn't know what that was supposed to mean. I kept asking the voice to tell me their name and explain what they were talking about, but they just hung up. Something about the call was very worrying. Then I found myself at my school and in my homeroom class. There was a ringing again. The teacher's cell phone. She called me to her desk and handed me the phone. The same voice spoke, but its tone was more urgent. Your grandmother is now part of the group by the name of Flawless. It sent a shiver down my spine. The group by the name of Flawless? What did they mean by that? I woke up bolting out of bed, covered in sweat, and ran to my father's room, not even knocking on the door, tears streaming down my face. I demanded he called her that second. Dad, call Grandma. Dad, call Grandma. Dad, call Grandma. I have to tell her something. I shook him by the shoulders, and it was as if my fear was passing into him as well. He called her, and I took the phone from his hand. Grandma, Saturday, be careful. It was all I got out. I couldn't get any more sleep after that. Saturday came. I was on edge the entire day. I knew something was going to happen, but I didn't know what. 
Later that night, my grandmother left to drop off my uncle and his girlfriend at the school dance. I reminded her to be careful. About an hour later, we received a call. It was my grandmother. She told us that on her way back from dropping them off, a truck ran a red light and crashed right into a pole. The driver died on the scene. Because of my warning, she was extra vigilant that night, driving much slower than usual and avoiding back roads. If she hadn't been paying close attention, her car would have been sandwiched between the truck and the pole. It was then that it hit me. Flawless. Angels are flawless. I believe that some higher being was trying to warn me. Maybe it was an angel, because it felt like it was coming from something very pure. To this day, my grandmother believes that if I hadn't called her in the middle of the night with my message, she would have died. I've heard of similar stories like this, where a warning in a dream ends up saving someone's life. And it's stories like these that make me reconfigure what I know about time and destiny. Was his grandmother destined to be in that accident, but she managed to change course? Or was she always meant to narrowly avoid death? If intervention is going to happen at all, why was she spared and not the truck driver? Jason believes that his ability was passed down to him by his ancestors, and they are watching him and his family very closely. Perhaps it's as simple as noticing when you are receiving a warning. If Jason had ignored the dream and not called his grandma, things might have ended differently. How many times in our lives do we have a hunch we ignore, only to later kick ourselves for not listening to it? Our dreams and our bodies are always trying to protect us. We just haven't been paying attention. Chapter 2. Guardian Angel So my name is Omera Sigana. That is my spiritual artist name. And I'm a Filipino-American. I was born and raised here. But for my grade school to high school and college, I grew up in the Philippines. So growing up in the Philippines, I was introduced to a lot of the supernatural stories, which I found fun, and I was very curious about them. And I never really had any supernatural experiences as a child. But later on, when I was an adult, some uh, strange things happened for me. I would consider them other than natural or supernatural. So my very first personal paranormal experience had to do when I was a new mother and I was already living in New York. I was about 23 and I had a newborn baby with me. And it was icy weather and I was coming home with my baby all bundled up in thick blankets. And I had come to these sets of stairs, outdoor stairs, leading to our condominium. And I proceeded up the first set of stairs. And when I had gotten to the landing, and there were two more to come to get to the very top, I realized that underneath me, it was all ice. 
And I realized I could slip at any moment. And uh, I looked up and all this water was pouring down the stairs and the the garden areas on the side, and it was all ice. It turned out the water was coming from a neighbor's whose pipes had burst. We found that out later on. So the dripping of the water had created sheets of ice that were layered. And usually when there's ice on the sidewalk or the stairs, the apartment maintenance or the condominium maintenance will put sand so you don't slip, but there was none of that yet. So I was in a dilemma standing on the stairs. I was like, if I proceed any further, it's possible I could slip. But if I try to return down the short flight of stairs going back to stable ground, I would have to hold my baby in one arm, hold the stair railing with another hand, and then proceed very gingerly down the stairs. And so I immediately said a prayer. I said, Dear God, help me. And suddenly, I was at the top of the last landing, and I was sitting on the ground with my legs outstretched in front of me, and my son was in both of my arms. I was hugging him with both my arms. And I blinked, and I was thinking to myself, how did I get here? And then, next thing you know, I was standing on my feet, And that was not by pushing myself up with one hand. I literally was one moment, legs extended in front of me, flat on the ground sitting, and next moment I was standing. And I was totally confused. And I walked quickly to my front door and went in. And after that, I totally forgot about the incident. In the moment when it happened, I was perplexed, I was confused, I was relieved, and then I just scurried on home, and I guess I forgot about it between getting dinner ready, getting the baby ready for bed, my husband coming home, and I didn't even think of telling him what happened. We just talked about the ice, and I had forgotten to tell him that I didn't remember how I got up the stairs. While I loved Omera's story, I did wonder if her sudden teleportation was a result of stress. It's common for people to black out during moments of intense anxiety and not be able to recall what had happened just moments before. But she believes it might have been angelic intervention. Years later, I saw a question online that was asking, have you ever had an experience with an angel? And I thought to myself, I don't think I've ever had an angelic experience. Then suddenly I remembered that incident from 20-something years ago. I do think it was some supernatural, paranormal, perhaps angelic experience because I was helped. I was assisted up the stairs safely and no harm came to us. And the funny thing is usually if you land right on your rump, and that has happened to me before. It's very painful. The Cossex area, just below the spinal cord where you land, bears some of that impact, and it's painful for weeks, and there was no pain. I don't know how I landed on my rump at the top of the stairs. I asked Omera why she thought she was given help at that moment. One, one is... 
I asked for it, and I do remember a story from my Lola saying, if you need help, ask your guardian angel to help you, and they will help you. And the second one is, I come from a very spiritual family who are, my Lola would say, don't forever forget God. And uh, my mom would teach me about guardian angels, and we would usually say that prayer uh, as part of our morning and evening goodnight prayers. The prayer, let me see if I can remember it. Angel of God, my guardian dear, to whom its love commits him here ever this day, be at my side to light and guard, to rule and guide. Amen. This was also a popular prayer in my home, and I'm sure those of you listening who have also grown up Catholic will recognize it. The concept of a guardian angel was fascinating to me as a kid. You mean to tell me I had an invisible bodyguard to protect me all the time? But then I would wonder where they were when I did end up hurt. Turns out, the act of asking for help in the moment, according to Amara, is what is important. There was another significant time where she did so, and she and her family were spared. Before I became a podcaster and paranormal investigator, I used to be a full-time animator and character designer, and podcasts kept me company while I drew, especially paranormal podcasts. One of my favorites was Jim Harold's Campfire. I would actually be shocked if you hadn't heard of it because it's one of the OGs. In fact, it recently celebrated its 13th anniversary. But if you haven't heard of it, it's a call-in show where ordinary people share their extraordinary stories with Jim every week. The story topics range from ghosts, UFOs, cryptids, and stories that can't be categorized. You're listening to my show right now, so I know that you love non-fictional paranormal stories. Stories involving the serial killer Ted Bundy, or a man who owned a haunted hotel. And also heartwarming stories of deceased loved ones coming back to say hello. Jim Harold's Campfire was a huge inspiration for me. So do me a personal favor and tune in to Jim Harold's Campfire on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to Stories with Sapphire. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think there was another time I did ask for help, um, come to think of it. My toddler son was in his car seat, strapped in safely, but my eldest son was around 10 or 6 years old at the time, and he had, for a moment, we were driving in an ice, in icy weather, on, on the road was slippery. 
He, for a moment, took off his seatbelt because he said, I'll turn off the light in the back of the car, Mom. So he unbuckled himself, went to go turn off the light above his little brother's seat. And that's when I turned my head just a little to say, no, don't unbuckle. And we were turning a corner. And the car started sliding across the other lane because it was black ice. And I went... Oh my God, help us. And I was looking at the other side of the road for oncoming traffic and our van hit a telephone post, turned around and flipped over, rolled down the hill that was below the telephone post. And then it landed on all four of its wheels. And my eldest son had hit the top of the roof when the car rolled over, and then he had landed in the front seat. All the windows were broken. He was not flung from the car. We're very, very lucky that the accident didn't happen where the road is directly next to the river. We were very lucky that the car rolled over into the driveway of a neighborhood, and we didn't roll into the river. So everything turned out fine. My son went to the ER, he got x-rayed, he got checked, everything was fine. So even just thinking about it, I get sort of emotional and overwhelmed. We were right side up and we walked away from the car without a scratch. Yes, it, it, it does involve ice. And you know, I, I was born and raised in California, so ice is not a familiar thing to me. <laughs> It does seem as though Omera is protected by something. And maybe part of that is because she is also given a gift to be a protector herself. I'm now in my late 50s. And when I was in my mid-50s, something happened to me that had never happened before. And it has to do with ancestral healing. I'm part of a group with the Center for Babylon Studies. We have like a community where we get together, we have retreats together. And one of our volunteers, Lise, had begun talking about ancestral healing because she had been returning home to uh, help her family. So I remember taking note of it and wondering what that would mean for my family when it comes to ancestral healing. And At one point, I had returned to the Philippines to visit with my mother, and I was there for a few months because I have the ability to work from home. And I had been there for a few weeks already, and I remember falling asleep in my auntie's master bedroom. And while I was falling asleep, I could see people looking down at me, like through my eyelids, like curiously looking at me. And it was a woman and a young girl. And I would fall asleep with that happening, going, hmm, that's interesting. When I was younger, I had gone, I had seen a psychic, and one of the things the psychic had told me was, (laughs) and I sort of freaked out, she said, you have the ability to speak to the dead. And of course, I was very young, and I'm like, I never want to speak to the dead. So uh, I had remembered that gift she had told me, and later on as my inner sight and my spiritual practice evolved, I said to myself, all right, 
I can speak to the dead and what I will do is I will bless them so I won't be afraid. And that's what helped me. So when I would see things, I would say, well, whoever you are, I bless you. Be on your way to something better or be on your way to the light. So when I saw the woman and child visit me, that's what I said. I said a prayer for them. Um, as I grew older, I began to explore other spiritual practices other than Roman Catholicism. And while I was in Connecticut, I had begun exploring shamanism, mm -hmm. dream journeying, and drumming circles. And so it, I think it opened up a lot of inner knowing for me and inner seeing and inner sight. So it wasn't abnormal for me anymore to see omens or signs from nature and all these types. So after that, three nights after that, I had three dreams. And the dreams are like me walking through the house of my auntie. The first dream was me in the dining room looking out of the sliding door onto the porch and there was a most frightening scary sight and it looked like it looked like a giant spider a giant white spider with a black head when i looked closely it started crawling towards me and it turned out it was like a twisted human figure crawling like a spider with its legs and arms joints pointing up in the air and its hands and feet touching the ground and it was shaped in a spider and the head the face was blurry but it definitely had a head with black hair and in my dream again I just said hmm what does this mean without being necessarily scared and so I said whatever you are I bless you may you be healed And then I had an inner knowing that whatever it was, was in pain. The next night I dreamt of the being again. And this time the being was next to the sliding door glass on the outside, showing their face to me and showing me that they were in pain. It stretched its neck in the air, opened its mouth as if there was a silent scream. And again, after that dream, I said, I understand you're in pain. I wish you healing and bless you. I think it is a diwata or a land spirit that has lived on our family's ancestral land since before my ancestors. Because it turns out when I shared the story with my brother, He thinks he's seen the same woman in our house. I'm about 10. Our older cousin, who's already an adult by that time, would pick me up, and then he would pick up my two brothers, Buddy and Michael, and they were ages 9 and 7. He would pick us up from school. Michael, this is Michael's story. Michael said he was in the back seat of the car, and my cousin had driven by a certain part in Bacolod City that's Mariit. Mariit means enchanted, but in a bad way, where bad things happen, like car accidents, people get run over, etc., etc. We passed that corner, and he said, 
this woman in a white dress with long black hair, our car drove by her and she was staring at him in the car. He said she had no face, her face was blurry. But the moment he saw her, his head was like sort of sticking out the window. He immediately threw up. So, of course, everyone's first reaction is he's sick. Michael's sick. Michael. So we rushed home to take care of him. And then it freaked out the household help. They were freaking out. Me, I didn't pay any attention to it because I'm the older sister and I'm like, whatever, you're sick. <laughs> but I do remember the helpers were very disturbed about the story. So that was his first sighting. The second sighting is we were all at home. We have a house that's in the shape of an L. And all the bedrooms are on one side and all the doors face the um, living area, which is a living room, family room, dining room. And then the crooked part where the house crooks is it goes into the kitchen. And there at the very corner of the house where the L corner would be is a bedroom. Michael was like, I don't know, seven or eight. And he suddenly says, somebody went into the bedroom. So he describes it as he saw a woman with a long white dress and long black hair go into the corner bedroom. So we all ran there. And that corner bedroom is the guest room. And it's always dark because my mom draws the curtains on it. You know, when we don't have guests, nobody sleeps in there. So it was dark. So we all rushed and looked and there was no one there. But it freaked out the helpers again. (laughs) So when I told Michael this story about me seeing the, we call them white ladies. When I told him the story, he said, I've seen her too. So after, after that happened, Sapphire, I asked my mother to build a grotto dedicated to the Virgin Mary because that's my mother and my Lola and aunties and my titas are very dedicated to the Blessed Virgin, especially the one that St. Bernadette saw at Lourdes, Our Lady of Lourdes. So my mommy had a grotto built by her home, which was being built at the time. She had a grotto built there with the Mother Mary um, effigy there, the sacred feminine. For me, she represents the sacred feminine or feminine divine. And my mother had that grotto built. It was it was there before the house was finished. And I also asked her to have mass said on the land for healing for all events that had taken place on the land before we were born and that we don't know about. After they built the grotto, Omera had one final dream of the woman. Another dream came. This time I was in the dining room looking out through the sliding door, but my angle was changed. I was now looking out through the sliding door over the front patio, and I could see now a woman dressed in a long white dress with long black hair, and she was looking out towards the sun, and sunlight was beaming into the porch. 
and I could see her side view and she was staring at the sunlight or the light coming through. And at the end of the dream, I said to myself, you must have found healing. I bless you. She did stop appearing after that. And I felt it ended in a good way because of the way my last dream had unfolded, that she was standing in the light. She was no longer a scary, twisted, suffering figure. She was now beautiful and glowing in light. I think the prayers brought ancestral healing and healing to the land. I think it has a lot to do with colonization. So this has always been my awareness, and I believe that the four nights of dreams were dreams that came to me because I'm the one person in my extended family that thinks this way. So because of my awareness of colonization and maybe perhaps being the only descendant in the lineage of my grandfather, perhaps they understood that if they showed themselves to me, I would pray for them. The appearance the woman took on when she presented herself to Omera changed after she had found peace. Something that could easily have been mistaken for an evil monster was in fact just a spirit in pain and in need, and Omera was able to see that. It made me think about the people in my life who I might have demonized, when really they just need to be blessed and shown compassion. I think one of the misconceptions is that ghosts are scary. What I think is important to recognize is the energy they feel when they encounter something supernatural. Is the energy benevolent? Is the energy scary because they're afraid of the unknown? Or is the energy to be explored, let's say, if the ghost that's appearing to them is asking for prayers? And that's a big thing in my family, that um, when you see a ghost, a ghost is asking for prayers. Um, Another way of saying that is very Catholic. It's the souls in purgatory need your prayers. It's the same with people. When you encounter people, you may have an inner knowing there's something off with this person or there's something innately good about this person, or you might get a prickling on your neck when you meet someone who has very bad intentions. You might get a prickling on the back of your neck. Maybe they're out to rob you or accost you, assault you. These are really important things to have. Awareness is uh, and discernment about the supernatural world. That's how I feel about it. It's the same with ghosts as it is with people. If you'd like to learn more about Omera's work, visit the link in the show notes or visit storieswithsapphire.com. If our physical bodies have built-in safety mechanisms, like how our skin holds everything together, our immune system fights off illness, then maybe our souls have their own safety mechanisms as well. And that's what we call our hunch or our ancestors or our guardian angels. They are the inexplicable things that keep us safe. 
But just like how we need to actively keep our skin and immune systems healthy, we need to care for our hunches, our ancestors, and guardian angels by thanking them and listening to them. Thank you for joining me today. If you like what you heard and would like to support this independently run show, consider becoming a member of my Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash stories with Sapphire to see the different tiers and perks like live watch parties or private tarot readings. And don't forget to subscribe to youtube.com slash Sapphire Sandalo, where I post an animated spooky story every other week. If you'd like to submit a story, send it to storieswithsapphire at gmail.com. Salamat and good night. Stories with Sapphire is created and produced by me, Sapphire Sandalo. Music written by Sapphire Sandalo. Special thanks to Jason and Omera. For more information on this episode and my guest, visit storieswithsapphire.com. <laughs>